Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. As die-hard conservative. I to this guy for wisdom. And welcome to the Drew Allen Show, everybody. This is Drew Allen, your host, the Millennial Minister of Truth. A lot of people I hear consistently giving their opinion without being backed up by fact. Now, of course, we give the facts here, and my opinion is fact, is backed with facts. And I want to get into some of this stuff, something I've been dying to get into. This is a jam-packed show. But the first thing I want to spend some time on with you is Speaker Mike Johnson. Is he a hero? Is he a villain? Were we better off with McCarthy? These are questions that I want to answer, something that I've been spending a lot of time studying, something that I've spent a lot of time analyzing since this took place, because many things haven't quite added up to me. I prefer to not just give a, give a you know, uh, emotional response. I, I try not to be persuaded by other big names out there and what they have to say. I prefer to do my due diligence to give you the information and the respect that you deserve by being honest and thorough. Now, let me start with this. I, Drew Allen, am concerned with Mike Johnson. Now, some of this will be a problem with what he's shown us so far, and some of it won't be his fault at all. Some of it represents a bigger problem within the Republican Party. Because as Speaker, the, he's the leader of the House, and he's going to take the fall for what the rest of the Republicans do or won't give him, right? Remember, he may be the Speaker, and he has a lot of power and control, ability to bring forward legislation and set the agenda in the House, but he cannot pass legislation on his own. What he does is dictated by the support of the broader Republican Party in the House. So we will distinguish between those two things and be very, very fair here. Because we have got to maintain a level head. We just have to. Other people can lose their heads, lose their cool, lose their minds. But we're going to stay on target here. And that's another theme that I'll get into in a minute about the difference between the left-wing propaganda media and the abundance of quote-unquote right-wing alternative media. They're all on the same page. They are doing the bidding of the Democrat Party. So you can say, hey, the left doesn't have a monopoly on the media anymore. There are so many options and alternatives. It's better than ever for Republicans, conservatives, but it's not in one sense because the left-wing media MSNBC, CNN, NBC, ABC, and so on and so forth. Yeah, their viewers might be down overall. People may be flocking to other sources, but they operate like a scalpel. They operate like a sniper. We are like buckshot. You put 10 conservative commentators that are alternatives together, and you'll get 10 different answers going in 10 different directions, focused on 10 different things. Meanwhile, the, the left-wing media serves the agenda of the Democrat Party. So in some ways, Captain, I would argue the left is still more effective. So 
I just want to go back in time here, not long ago, to how we got Speaker Mike Johnson. So we got Mike Johnson because Matt Gates and several other Republicans backed this, the ousting of McCarthy. Now, based on the agreement they made with McCarthy to support him in the first place through the grueling 15 rounds of voting that finally resulted in McCarthy getting the gavel, he made concessions. He promised to do certain things, like release the January 6th tapes, like dealing with the spending in the government, demanding cuts, not going through with continuing resolutions and so on and so forth to just fund the government irresponsibly like the Democrats want to do and rhinos. And he did not hold up those promises. And so he was ousted. And then we, and then here, here's the thing I'll say about that. Now I've been very fair and I haven't come out and attacked Mike Johnson. I think that's the right thing to have done so far. I've, I've waited to see before making some decision, but I will say that in the beginning, my antennae went up just a little bit because if you'll recall, Jim Jordan, who was a speaker that the base supported. Now we know that House Republicans couldn't get on board, but screw them because they hate us. But we, the base, we wanted Jim Jordan. We wanted a conservative in there. And ultimately, GOP members in the House held a secret ballot vote. That way we would not know their names, but they had a secret ballot vote to finally oust him and say, no more. Let's move on to somebody else. Now, remember this, 25 House GOP members publicly publicly opposed Jim Jordan. But when they had the secret ballot, over 100 opposed him. I think it was 112. So what does that tell you? What does that tell you? There's a problem in the House GOP, and they're not conservative. They held a secret ballot. And here's what we need to know and should be demanding to know. Who are the 112 who voted in a secret ballot to oppose Jim Jordan? Because those are, the, those are the Republicans that should have a target on their back. Those are the Republicans that we should be focused on getting rid of because they're the problem. It's not 25, it's 112. But we don't know who they are. So over 100 members vote to get rid of Jim Jordan. And then none of us saw this coming, what happened next? None of us. They turn around and they elected Mike Johnson, I think unanimously. I I think he got 220 votes. I think that was unanimous. He needed 217 to win. No Democrats voted for him. Had anyone ever heard of Mike Johnson before this? From Louisiana, here and there. But he, his name was nowhere near the speaker race. And that's okay. I don't have a problem with the fact that 
somebody was nominated that I hadn't necessarily had a lot of familiarity with. That's not my problem. My problem is this, or my skepticism is because of this. McCarthy went through 15 grueling rounds, and he didn't even get 220 votes in the end. Now, the whole problem with Jim Jordan is we were told he was too conservative. We were told that the GOP would never back him. So more Republicans voted for Mike Johnson than Kevin McCarthy. So if the GOP House Republicans won't vote for Jim Jordan because he's too conservative, why would these same Republicans vote overwhelmingly for Mike Johnson? Does that make sense, Captain? It's a little just strange to me that McCarthy, of course, we decided was an establishment guy, and that's why he was ousted. He didn't keep up his promises. And then we get a guy who's more popular than Kevin McCarthy. And I think we're seeing why now. I think we're seeing why now. Let me ask you this. It's a rhetorical question, of course, but I'll ask it to you, Captain. Has anything really changed? Is, is there any, has there been any difference in terms of action between McCarthy as a speaker and Mike Johnson as speaker? Captain's shaking his head. No. Well, I happen to agree with you, Captain. Good answer. Correct answer. Nothing's changed. We don't have the J6 tapes. And as a matter of fact... The biggest issue, remember, the issue that ultimately sank McCarthy was that he did a deal with Democrats to get Democrat votes to pass a continuing resolution to fund the government for another month. Now, Speaker Mike Johnson's first test is what? Well, one of the many first tests, but his first test, big test, is the same situation McCarthy was in. So McCarthy, M McCarthy set us up for this to happen again, right? So he passes a clean CR, essentially, that funded the government through September 29th or 30th. I can't remember, but it was the end of September. Sorry, sorry, sorry. No, no, no. Let me go back. Let me go back. The deadline that McCarthy faced was September 29th or 30th. That was, that was the government shutdown date. Forgive me. Okay, that's the government shutdown date. End of September. So McCarthy got Dem support. He went to the Dems and got their support to pass funding through November 17th. So now it's November 13th. November 17th is coming up rapidly. The big Thanksgiving shutdown. And so now, now we have the same situation again. And, and, and you know, don't fall for the theatrics in the House. They love this. Our government uses this to get what they want. They're holding the American people hostage when they do this. And Mike Johnson, he's going to pass a clean CR. That's what he's proposing. That's what he's proposing. So here's the problem again. Well, let, 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 me, be, let me be fair here too. Ultimately, you have to pass something that the Senate is also going to agree on. We have a divided government. But even within the House, we have a bunch of 
people without cojones that will not change, that will not deliver for the American people, that will not put up a fight against the Democrats. And Mike Johnson's proposal, you know, they, they, they can try and spin this however they want. It's no different than what McCarthy did. What he wants to do is have two separate deadlines. Let me explain how the appropriations process works again. For those who are just joining, for those who need a refresher. There are a dozen committees in the House. Each of those committees is responsible for creating a budget for its individual department within the government. And the fiscal year begins October 1st. Forget January. That's not how it works for the government. The fiscal year begins October 1st. So by October 1st, all of these committees are supposed to have submitted and voted on funding the government with their budgets. And they never do it. And so what happens is they pass the deadline, they pass these continuing resolutions, and then they get to the Christmas season and they jam through they jam through a massive spending bill. They call this the omnibus. An omnibus is when you take two or more of these appropriations bills, and usually it's all 12 together, and you vote on them as one. So instead of the House doing due diligence on these different bills and saying, let's look at this departmentally, let's look at defense, let's look at this, let's look at this, let's look at agriculture, they put it together, create a 1,200-page bill that no one can read, and they demand that you vote on it, otherwise the government's going to shut down. So this is what I mean. They're holding us hostage. So what Mike Johnson wants to do is just split them up into two, essentially. Okay, we'll do like six of the bills before this date, and we'll do six of the bills, you know, before the next date. And we'll deal with the Ukraine and Israel war funding in the second bill. Not the first bill, but we'll, we'll, we'll get to it in the second bill. So does this address the problem? No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. And he's not demanding any spending cuts. None whatsoever. I don't know how many more decades we're going to continue doing this. This is not working. And Republicans refuse to change tactics. The Republicans know, know they're going to get blamed for a shutdown. And this is what drives them to bend the knee to Democrats every single time. The definition of insanity is doing the same thing twice and expecting different results. The Republican Party does the same thing year after year after year after year. And the same thing happens. They're going to get blamed. And for all the revisionists out there rewriting Trump's history, I would remind them, back in 2018, Donald Trump, who actually had a pair, a golden pair, I think it was July of 2018, same situation, facing a government shutdown, and Donald Trump said, I'd be willing to shut the government down. And he put shutdown in quotes, and he said, I'd be willing to shut the government down over funding for a border wall. And do you know what the response was from the Republicans, his allies, from Mitch McConnell? 
No, 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 we're not gonna shut the government down. We will never shut the government down. Mm-mm. No, this is we, it's too important. We are not we don't know what Donald Trump said. We aren't shutting the government 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 down. No way. That's what Mitch McConnell they said. They would not yeah, no no no, don't listen to Trump. No, no, shut the government down. It's like Scooby Doo, Mitch McConnell. I mean when he could talk. Now he can't talk anymore because he's had sixteen strokes and he's practically dead. Oh so Trump tried this, and the Republicans reacted the same way. Now, we, if we know that the Democrats are going to try and tie this noose around our necks, why don't we try something different, Captain? Now, I have some advice for you, Speaker Mike Johnson. Your loyalty and your motivation should not be driven by the left. It should be driven by me, by your base, what we want. Now, Democrats are obsessed with this. They understand the need to please their base. And the Republicans like to just stab us in the back and expect us to keep voting for them. And my warning is this. I, unlike, well, there are a few like me who can put their finger on the pulse of the American people and the conservative movement. And I am telling you right now, that this is not a game of the boy who cried wolf anymore. We are getting to a place where Republicans are going to become irrelevant in American politics because conservatives continue to murmur about abandoning the Republican Party. And this is going to become a reality if Republicans don't get it together. It's going to happen. You know, most people feel allegiance and loyalty to Trump, but they feel no loyalty to the Republican Party. And if we want to survive, if we want to, look, we need a political party that is robust, that is not impotent to save the country. That's our vehicle to do so. Because we have elections in America, and that's our way to deal with it. If we don't have that, then we lose the country. And that's why I say it's so important that we found out the names of these 112 people who voted in private against Jim Jordan. Who are they? They're the problem. They're the threat. They're our enemy. They're holding America and Republicans and conservatives back. So what Speaker Mike Johnson should say is, because, Captain, how many polls do we need to see now that the American people understand that the economy's in the tank? It sucks. They understand that we have a serious problem at the border. Americans are fed up with being treated as second-class citizens in their own country. Every American admits that there are problems. Now, some of them aren't willing to acknowledge that it's because of Biden and the Democrat Party. We've got to push them to get there. But people know that, for example, the illegal immigration problem is bad. You talk to Democrat mayors, Democrat governors now, and even they're saying, hey, we can't handle this. So why is it so hard for the Republicans to say, you know what, we're going to stand up for the American people. This is a government that shut you down, remember, not long ago? Democrat governors like Gavin Newsom shut you down for a year. They shut the private sector down. Did they have any sympathy for you? No, they didn't care. They said it was your, for, your, for your own good that you couldn't go to work, that you lost your business, that your children couldn't go to school, 
Yeah, remember that? Do we not, did we forget what they did during COVID? They shut the private sector down. They shut you down. No problem, no sympathy, no compassion. They said it was for your own good and they didn't miss a beat. Well, you know what? If I was Mike Johnson, I would say to the American people, you know what? The government as it currently exists, this Congress, this administration, they are a threat to American security and prosperity. And in fact, the American people are safer with this government shut down because at least while the government's shut down, we can't harm you. It can't get any worse. And so for the American people, we're going to put you first. And we're going to demand that this government finally treats you like the citizens and masters of them that you are. We're not going to take advantage of you anymore. We're not going to hold you hostage. I, Speaker Mike Johnson, am going to stand up for the American people, and I'm going to hold this government accountable. I'm going to stand here, and I will shut down this government until they do the work of the American people, until they secure the border. Why is that so hard to do, Captain? That's a winning message. That's a winning message. But Republicans are too fearful. They're stuck in this, this vicious cycle. Oh, no, we can't shut down the... And the the defensive posturing, it's defensive. Go on the attack. We cannot win when we're on defense like this. And this is their attitude. And this is Speaker Mike Johnson's attitude. And again, I understand that he's dealing with a bunch of cowards in the Republican Party, but who cares? Out them. And the other thing is, Captain, the election in states just took place. The presidential election is still in November. They don't risk losing elections over this. There's no risk. We have all of this room between now. So even, even if you want to use that as an issue, well, you know, they're going to they're gonna manipulate this and they're going to blame us in the media and it's going to cost us and hurt us. Hurt you where? There's no elections till November. People forget things quickly. We have shut down the government before and nothing happens. And this is the other reason it needs to happen finally, to show that the Democrats are liars. That the government shutdown is not a threat. It's not a danger. Nothing happens. You still get your social security check. We're talking about discretionary spending here. By law, you can't stop cutting the social security checks, Medicare, Medicaid. Those are baked in. The social services, those are baked in. You're talking about government employees not getting paychecks until they get back paid once we reopen. So the government will shut you down and put you out of business over COVID. But they, oh, the government, I mean, this country can't survive if uh, Joey at the USPS doesn't get his paycheck for a week. Screw you guys. Screw you guys. Overpaid. All the benefits that we don't even have. We're paying your pensions. We're paying all of it because what? You work for the government? The government's crap. This government's the enemy of the American people. I'm sick and tired of it. Shut them down. We need to shut them down. Now, I'm going to tell you a secret. I'm going to tell you a secret. And I want you to lean very close to your speakers. I don't want Democrats in particular to hear this or know this. What else isn't happening right now? What, what, what did we recently hear from Johnson? 
Well, supposedly, he said that there's insufficient evidence at the moment to initiate formal impeachment proceedings. So Speaker Johnson seems to have backtracked on the impeachment, at least with Kevin McCarthy. At least with Kevin McCarthy, we were seemed to be moving full speed ahead. Now, here's the secret. Here's the secret. The Republicans never actually wanted to impeach Joe Biden. They don't care. They don't care. They don't care about Joe Biden's corruption. They don't care about his criminality. He could be caught raping a minor tomorrow and they wouldn't care. The Republicans never cared. It was all a scam, all a game. It doesn't bother them. That's the secret because they're cowards. They're cowards and they don't want to do anything. And this is the status of the Republican Party. All talk, no action. Okay? So when the Democrats are out there reporting, having a cow, ooh, you know, trying to defend, they don't need to defend Biden against any impeachment because no impeachment's probably going to happen because Republicans don't even want to do it. Okay? Did we get that secret? It's true, Captain. It's true. And I'll tell you why they don't want to do it now more than ever. I'll, I'll tell you why there's why this change is happening. It's very simple. You have Republicans who didn't want to impeach Joe Biden to begin with. And now you have polls that are indicating that Donald Trump is going to trounce Joe Biden in a rematch in 2024. That you have Donald Trump defeating Biden in the swing states. Do you have Joe Biden's support eroding even amongst the dumbest Americans in the country, which are the so-called Zoomers, Generation Z? So some of these Republicans look at this because they're cowards and they say, well, the polls already show that, you know, we're doing well against uh, Joe Biden. So why should we, why would we impeach him? Why would we impeach him when the polls say we don't need to? Now, this is, I'm just telling you, this is the way some of them think. This is the way some of them think. They're not like you. They're not like me. They don't have any principle. They don't have any principle whatsoever. So they look at this and they say, why impeach him? No point in impeaching him now. Now, I have heard reports, by the way, that Speaker Johnson... He's not really saying that in private. He's supposedly going to come out with a statement that says something contrary to what I just said, that he's abandoning impeachment more or less, that he doesn't really care. Uh, people are saying that McCarthy proxies put that information out, right? That, but I guarantee you that that did come from Mike Johnson's mouth. And I guarantee you now they're just trying to backpedal to appease you, the base. And I just want to reiterate again, Captain, if we don't, if we don't, as Republicans, get it together, I mean, there's not going to be a Republican Party much longer. But go, you know, queue up cut six, Captain. I just want you to hear Johnson. This is what's amazing, if this is true. This is, this is Speaker Mike Johnson in October, not long ago. This is what he had to say. He cites the Constitution and what it says about impeaching somebody if they have committed treason or bribery. And uh, play the clip, Captain. I just listed a, just a small sample, just the tip of the iceberg of, of the 
credible allegations and the mounting evidence that shows that Joseph Biden has engaged in bribery schemes, pay-to-play schemes. This is what the evidence shows. Well, he's pretty certain there. He's seen the evidence. The evidence shows bribery. And we have to impeach because that's our moral obligation. And now you have him supposedly saying there's not enough evidence. And again, I'm not saying this is all. Maybe Mike Johnson believes that he's he's committed bribe. We know that he's we know that he's guilty. We do know this. We've seen the evidence. There's mountains of evidence. But my point is, Mike Johnson needs the Republicans in the House to support it. And I'm telling you right now, the majority of the Republicans in the House are cowards and they don't want anything to do with impeaching Joe Biden because they don't care. It doesn't bother them. They don't have any sense of duty. They only have a sense of their own power, getting along with the criminals around them that are Democrats and so on and so forth. So that's what's happening. That's what's happening. You hear a bunch of grandstanding about impeachment, but they're not serious about it. And let me just mind you how the Democrats play to win. They impeach Donald Trump twice, twice over things that weren't crimes and over fabrications. The first was quid pro quo, which firstly isn't an impeachable offense and secondarily didn't happen. They said that Donald Trump threatened to withhold aid to Zelensky if they didn't investigate Joe Biden. That never happened. That never happened. Donald Trump did ask Zelensky to look into it, and there's nothing wrong with doing that, especially given the fact that we know that our own intelligence agency covered up the evidence that was presented to them through their own sources, FBI informants, that told them, hey, Joe Biden's a crook, and here's how he did it, and here's what he did. Now, you've seen the Democrats now, too. They are now going after James Comer. Have you seen this, Captain? Honestly, I can't believe I didn't come on this program and predict this long ago. Shame on me. But I'm surprised it took the Democrats this long. So, of course, one of the pieces of evidence presented was that of Joe Biden corruption and bribery is that he loaned his brother, I don't know if it was $200,000 or what, but he loaned his, his brother uh, money or something like this. And... So Democrats now are coming out and they've dug up a loan that James Comer gave to his own brother. Now, Democrat voters, I'm sorry to say, are very ignorant people. And the Democrats know that they don't know a difference between a loan and laundering. Our point is not that loaning money is a crime. Loaning money is not a crime. The point is that Joe Biden used the superficial, nominal name of a loan to hide what was washing money. So Joe Biden took money from the communist Chinese and it went to his brother, for example, and then his brother gave him money and said, this is, you know, paying back a loan. James Comer giving his brother a loan is not the same thing. Did James Comer have money funneled and siphoned from the communist Chinese and foreign adversaries? Is that what happened? No, he loaned his brother money. 
And so now they're going after James Comer and putting pressure on. But I'm just telling you, you know, we need to know who these rhinos are that voted in a private meeting, a private vote to oppose Jim Jordan. Because until we know their names, we don't know who our enemies are. We know the ones that were public, the 25, but we don't know the 112. And there are 112 people in the Republican Party in the House who are the enemy of the American people. And by the way, Joe Biden should have been impeached even before the bribery stuff. He should be impeached over what he's done at the border. Facilitating historic, unprecedented, an illegal invasion of our country. Destroying the country via illegal immigration. He's violating the law. He's telling Border Patrol not to follow the law. That's a violation of his constitutional oath. So there's a million reasons to do it. So anyway, if, if I'll, I'll close out this section with Johnson this way. If Johnson doesn't show a rapid change, a quick change, he, I, he's no better than McCarthy. In fact, I would say right now as it stands, we were better off with McCarthy. Do you know why I say that? Because all things, all things equal in terms of action, at least McCarthy put on a good show with the media. McCarthy was actually charismatic, and at least when he was confronted at the Capitol, he pushed back and he destroyed them verbally with sound bites. Mike Johnson is not as charismatic. Mike Johnson, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to be, you know, I mean, I grew up in Texas with kind of a drawl or whatever else, you know? So I'm just saying that the way McCarthy's demeanor is, the way he speaks, it's a lot more powerful than Mike Johnson's kind of Southern gentleman posturing. Does that make sense? So anyway, all right. Cue up, uh, cut eight, Captain. Now, this is another reason you need to buy my book, America's Last Stand. Will you vote to save or destroy America in 2024? It's available on Amazon. It's doing very well. And I urge you to read it, study it, use it to save the country. We have a year to save the country. And I address this in my book, and this is why it's so important. We're now seeing the same propaganda coming out from the left to distract, to falsely accuse Trump of things that they're guilty of. Now, of course, who was it that not too long ago spoke in front of Independence Hall in Philadelphia with the backdrop lit up in a blood red and called, you know, every American who voted for Trump a threat to democracy, compared us to domestic terrorists? Huh? Who was it that sounded like Adolf Hitler when he condemned everyone who was MAGA and said we were the enemy? Huh? That's Hitler's speech. Now, Donald Trump on Veterans Day, you know what? Cue up cut five first, Captain. Sorry about that. I want you to actually hear what Donald Trump said first. This is a snippet of it. This is what he said on uh, Veterans Day. Go ahead and play Donald Trump, Captain. Today, especially in honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day, we pledge to you that we will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, 
that lie and steal and cheat on elections and will do anything possible. They'll do anything, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and to destroy the American dream. The real threat is not from the radical right. The real threat is from the radical left. And it's growing every day, every single day. Do you have anything, any problems with what he just said, Captain? No, it's an, a fantastic message. It's absolutely true. It's what I write about in my book. Marxists, communists. That is a problem in the country. They've infiltrated our country and the Democrat Party. Now, notice he doesn't say, he doesn't just broadly say all Democrats are evil, horrible people. He's very specific about the radical left, the Marxists, the communists, which I'm sorry, Marxists and communists are left-wing thugs. Fascists, those are also Democrats. I've talked about this in my book, how there is the way the Democrats have tried to adapt the language, left and right, doesn't apply in America because fascism is far right and the root of it's socialism. Communism, far left, the root of it is socialism. The only difference between communism and socialism is that in communism, under that system, there is no private enterprise. It's all owned by the state. Under fascism, you can have private inter enterprise so long as you are an instrument of the state. So they're both totalitarian systems in which you don't have freedom. It de demands absolute obedience to the state, which is what the Democrat Party represents today. So that's what Donald Trump said, and he's 100% correct. Now the left has its talking point and its narrative, and here they go again. While you see, I want to remind you, while you see the rampant anti-Semitism on college campuses and even in high schools in New York City, that is all left-wing, it's all Democrat-driven, anti-Semitism, the hatred towards the Jews, towards Israel, that's all from the left. None of it's from the right. That's happening right now. Violence against Jews, violence against conservatives. That's been going on for years. But here's Jin Psaki, cue up cut eight, Captain. Here's Jin Psaki commenting on Donald Trump's speech that you just heard. Here's her spin. Here's her narrative. Here's her propaganda that the left is all, and this is why they're so potent, because all of them are delivering the same talking point unanimously. Go ahead and queue up and play cap, cut eight, Captain. And yet, the hand-wringing and cocktail party speculation about an alternative to Joe Biden is continuing, will continue. Guess what? Joe Biden isn't perfect. No candidate is, by the way. But we have to understand what the alternative is here. If elected to a second term, Donald Trump would prosecute anyone he deems an enemy, unleash troops on protesters, and essentially unravel the rule of law as we know it. And this time, he plans to align his administration with people who will actually help him do it. But sure, Joe Biden is three years older and occasionally trips over things. Look, there's a lot to be concerned about right now when it comes to a second Trump term. The speeches are getting much more disturbing and much more unhinged, and we should all hear it that way. The level of gaslighting has never been higher. Unbelievable what she just said there. All gaslighting. And she'll go on to point out that Donald Trump talks about vermin. Just, you know, deep state talk. And they're saying, well, you know, you know, uh, Hitler, he referred to the Jews as vermin. Give me a break. If you believe this, you're an idiot. 
You're a stupid, stupid person who has no concept of history. You're, you're a moron. I don't know what else to say. Yes, if you think that Donald Trump using the word vermin, while you see, again, all of the anti-Semitism is from the left. Donald Trump was the greatest friend to Israel. He's responsible for the Abraham Accords, which created peace. It forced and convinced Arab nations for the first time ever to actually recognize Israel. He's the greatest friend to Israel. And you want to say that he is an anti-Semite because he used the word vermin? Give me a break. But this is how sick, how insipid, how deranged the left is. This is their narrative. And Mehdi Hassan, who's a plagiarist and an anti-Semite himself, he's one of the worst offenders. Most of you have never heard of him, except that I'm playing him now. And I got a kick, Captain. There was a gentleman, a commie, on his program. This same program. I'm not going to play the clip, though. I don't remember his name. It's irrelevant. He wrote a book about fascism. And of course, this author was a propagandist claiming that we and Trump are fascists. He wrote a whole book about it. Now, there's a subsection on Amazon Books, fascism. Now, my book's in that category as well. And last night, his book was number 11 in fascism, and my book was number 30 or so. So I would urge you, if you haven't bought the book yet, buy it and displace this commie loser from the number 11 spot and put him where he belongs at the back of the line. No book sales. But anyway, here's Mehdi Hassan, who hates Jews. No secret about it. He's a pro-Hamas sympathizer. This is him. Play, uh, play the cut, Captain Four. But tonight I want to talk about a specific word used by Trump there. Vermin. That's not a word we often hear used in everyday conversation. In fact, it's a very specific word that carries a very specific historical connotation. It was a word frequently used by Nazis to dehumanize Jewish people during the Holocaust. For example, according to historical accounts, in 1939, Adolf Hitler told the Czech foreign minister, quote, this vermin must be destroyed. The Jews are our sworn enemies. Now, this isn't the first time Trump has been caught echoing the rhetoric of Nazis and white supremacists. So I would remind, look, so Mehdi Hassan is actually an anti-Semite. Mehdi Hassan is a Muslim individual, obviously not from this country originally. Honestly, he should be deported. Mehdi Hassan should be deported. Oh, you might, yep, you better believe it. Deport him. So he's a pro-Hamas sympathizer who hates Jews, and he's accusing Donald Trump of being anti-Semitic. I mean, you can't make up the absurdity of this, can you? It's unbelievable. But this is the entire Democrat Party. Their entire party and their, their power is dependent upon an indoctrinated, frankly stupid voter base. who They lie about their entire history. The Democrat Party is historically responsible for all the racism in America since the creation of political parties. It is the D Democrat Party that was made up the Confederacy that fought for slavery. It was the Republican Party that was created because there was a vacuum. There was no party that was capable of confronting that issue and dealing with it. So, so we have Abraham Lincoln, the Republicans. We fight the Confederacy and the Democrats and defeat them. And then we win the Civil War, abolish slavery. And what do the Democrats do? They create Jim Crow laws, which do the exact same thing. And for decade after decade after decade, you had Republicans trying to pass laws to address 
civil rights, and you had Democrats that opposed it. So nothing could happen. And then you had, finally, Lyndon Baines Johnson, who got in there as president because John F. Kennedy was shot. And he signed the Civil Rights Act of 1964 into law. But it was Democrats who opposed that legislation. And it was LBJ who opposed civil rights his entire career until 1964. Why did he do it? Because Democrats knew that they needed black votes to win. If they lost black support, they could never win an election again. And so they were smart. And they had to be perceived as the party of black Americans. So even though it actually took Republicans to get the Civil Rights Act passed, and it was Democrats who opposed it and came to and needed Republican support, because remember, 1964, Democrats had a supermajority, a supermajority in Congress. That means they didn't need a single Republican vote to do anything. But they couldn't pass civil rights legislation because Democrats were racist. So Republicans came to the rescue and made sure it passed. And LBJ signed it into law and he said, we'll have those N-words voting Democrat for 100 years. And then they created the welfare system, LBJ did, to chain blacks again. But the Democrats want to tell you that they're the party of blacks and Republicans, there was a big switch and we are now the anti-blacks, the racists. Never happened. What the Democrats have done with their history is equivalent to if the Nazi party hadn't been disbanded, if the Nazi party after World War II claimed to be the party of Jews. That's what the Democrats have done. It's as if the Nazi party were still alive and were lecturing the German people and other political parties about anti-Semitism in their DNA. I beg your pardon? Anti-Semitism in my DNA? No, no, you're the Nazis and they're the Democrats. No difference. So anyway, I got a couple things I want to get through here. We got a little bit of time left. You know, firstly, I just want to address the Republican GOP primary here for president. So Tim Scott suspended his campaign. So Tim Scott's out. Tim Scott, with his massive 2% support in the polls, well, he's gone. And the DeSantis campaign is probably on the phone as we speak, begging Tim Scott to endorse DeSantis. Begging. Begging. And, you know, the the DeSantis campaign has uh, revealed its strategy, by the way. The DeSantis campaign needs this to become a two-person race as fast as they can. So DeSantis's whole campaign is just keep the money flowing so I can stay afloat and stay in here and outlast all the other people because he needs all of their support to back him to at least convince people that he has a fighting chance, and he doesn't. Cue up cut two, actually, Captain. I actually, I couldn't believe that Rick Wilson of the Lincoln Project, uh, he was on MSNBC, and I cannot believe I actually agree with him, Captain. He said something that's actually true. I cannot believe it. And no, 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 Rick Wilson, he's not a pedophile. He's not, I mean, not that I know. I mean, he could be a pedophile. I don't know. But, but no, 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 the, the pedophile, John Weaver was the pedophile. John Weaver was the, was Rick Wilson's co-founder of the Lincoln Project. And he's a pedophile. And, you know, uh, this guy, Rick Wilson, who's still in the Lincoln Project running it, you know, he knew John Weaver very well. And like Obama, he, he claimed ignorant. I had no idea this guy was a pedo. 
I've just been friends with him for like 40 years, and I had no idea he was into, you know, 16-year-old boys. So, so no, Rick Wilson is a friend of pedophiles, but that doesn't necessarily make him a pedophile. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I, I call it the pedophile project. Some people call it the Lincoln project, but, you know, any, anyway. So Rick Wilson, who's not a pedophile, but could be. I mean, Rick Wilson, who's not a pedophile, uh, this is him. Go ahead and play the cut, Captain. I mean, well, Vivek already sort of spiked the hate meter in America all the way up for being the, uh, you know, a, a, a guy who have, with zero redeeming personal qualities. But I will say this, Katie, this is a it's, a, it's a kabuki dance. It's symbolic only. All of these people on the stage are hoping that Donald Trump chokes on a Big Mac or gets hit by a meteor or eaten by a shark. There is no hope. There is no path for any of them. They, they, they're, they're, they're spritzing back and forth inside this band of, at the very peak, maybe 15, 13%. In every single possible mathematical calculus right now, once you get past the first three states, Donald Trump is going to roll up places where he's right now ahead by 40, 50, even 60 points on Super Tuesday. By the time you get to March 12th and Florida, where Ron DeSantis is currently in a very, very distant second place, Donald Trump will have won at that point California and Texas, and then he will win Florida. And that is the ball game. It's over. This is all symbolic. It's all it's all sort of, uh, you know, the, the horse race industrial complex trying to make um, something out of this that just doesn't exist. These are people who, who have no real guts, courage, or motivation to actually go out and critique Donald Trump. I mean, Chris Christie's the exception, but he is at currently about 1%. Now, Rick Wilson, not the pedophile um, of the Lincoln Project, he was right. I agreed with him until the very end when he said nobody wants to criticize uh, Donald Trump. The DeSantis campaign is indistinguishable from the Lincoln Project. They also hope that Donald Trump chokes on a Big Mac. They hope that Donald Trump is put in prison so that it opens up a chance of victory for DeSantis. So he's right. Trump's going to be the nominee. All of this is kabuki theater. It's theatrics. It makes no sense that this continues like this. These people are selfish individuals who have no business continuing to waste money and time and energy and try and damage and bludgeon Donald Trump ahead of 2024 when he's going to be the nominee. That's not putting America first. He has no pathway to victory. And I just want to tell you how deranged the DeSantis campaign and influencers are. Donald Trump made an appearance while he watched the UFC match at Madison Square Garden just the other night. And this, too, by the way, is evidence that the 2020 election was rigged, was stolen. Do you see the reaction in this stadium, Madison Square Garden? I mean, it's special to watch. And it's a reminder. DeSantis can't draw crowds like this. DeSantis, if DeSantis walks into a UFC, you think he would be treated like Donald Trump was, like a rock star? No. And the DeSantis campaign hates that because it shows that Trump is what they wish DeSantis could be. But the, so, so Donald Trump rolls in, they roll out the red carpet for the guy and he's got an entourage. And Tucker Carlson is with Donald Trump. Now there've been speculation out there. Trump was recently asked if he would consider, I think, Tucker Carlson is his vice president. And he said, sure, I'd consider it. 
That's no endorsement. It's a smart thing to say. A lot of people like Tucker Carlson, including people that support DeSantis. They loved Tucker Carlson. And this is why it's actually the DeSantis campaign that is a cult. The DeSantis influencers now hate Tucker Carlson. They hate him. They hate him because he was seen with Donald Trump. Unbelievable. So Tucker Carlson, they loved, agreed with, championed. But because he was seen friendly with Donald Trump, now Tucker, I'm sorry. If this is your attitude and this is how you approach politics and life and decision-making, you're not a mature individual. You can support DeSantis and also continue to believe that Tucker Carlson is a national treasure. But we have a problem in our party, Captain, and it's the purists. It's the, the, there is a radical element of the Republican Party that's a danger to us. And it's not MAGA. I won't mention their names right now. You'll know who they are. There are many prominent ones out there. And honestly, it's scary that they have the influence they do. These are the people that come out and attack D- Trump or attack the Republican Party because Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner, supports Trump. So these people are actually bigots. These people are actually hateful individuals. Now, I don't support transgenderism like I don't support alcoholism or drug abuse. But I don't hate somebody who's transgender. What I hate is left-wing ideology that is destructive. If we're going to attack Caitlyn Jenner and anyone seen with Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, because he or whatever is a transgender, there's something wrong with you. I mean, this is what I'm talking, it's like, it's like, okay, there's gays in the Republican Party. Fantastic. And they support Trump. And what are we, what are we going to say? You can't be seen with gays. You can't be seen with a transgender person like, this is crazy suicide, Captain. I mean, I want to reiterate that the real vision for the Republican Party is a big, big tent, not a big tent in terms of ideology. Our ideology is constitutionalism. It's based on the founding principles, but you can be of all walks of life and also have that vision. It's the same thing with legal immigrants. You come to this country from another country. It's, I mean, that's why that's, that's diversity. It's diversity of experience, lived experience of where you come from, but we're all united by what we're working to build. And Caitlyn Jenner can be transgender, but still be in our tent and welcomed because Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, even though I disagree with the transgender stuff, still supports our vision for America. And you have these purists out there that say, no, 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 this trans, I mean, look, you know, this is where I I come in captain. I say, you know, this is a problem. It's like, it's like those ugly Christians. These people cannot become the face of our movement. 
So fight against that, condemn it. And see, this is my point. I'm a principled person. I'm a principled person. These people don't have principles. They're selfish. They're psychos, even on our side, all right? So anyway, the DeSantis campaign and everything, it's just immature. It's all immature. Now they hate Tucker Carlson because he was seen with Donald Trump. Give me a freaking break. Give me a freaking break. Well, I'm not going to get to everything I wanted to get to, unfortunately. Um, I'll save some of this for another day. But did you hear about San Francisco? San Francisco no longer has a homeless problem. In a matter of 70, 72 hours, San Francisco is once again, well, it resembles what it used to be, a beautiful, shining city on the sea. How could this happen? I mean, the homelessness is gone, Captain. Did you hear? I mean, have you seen the pictures? San Francisco, like that. It's a beautiful, clean city. How could this happen? Well, it turns out that the communist dictator Xi Jinping has done more for San Francisco than any U.S. politician. That's right. Ahead of his arrival in San Francisco to meet his best friend, Joe Biden. Remember, Joe Biden always tells us, I've met with, with Xi more than anybody. We love each other. Yeah, like Gavin Newsom, who goes over there and kisses his AWS. They love communist dictators, genocidal people. They relate. But anyway, Xi has cleaned up San Francisco. Xi is clean. So they cleaned it up because Xi's coming there. And it's just amazing. I guess it can be done. Apparently, but it takes uh, Xi Jinping to do it. Now, Los Angeles also has a plan to clean up homelessness. And I don't know how I didn't think of this myself, Kat. I mean, it's, it's genius, brilliant. Karen Bass, the Democrat communist mayor of Los Angeles, has figured out how to clean up L.A. And it's just crazy how simple the solution is. I had no idea. So I got to give props to Karen Bass. No, she's not bringing Xi Jinping to Los Angeles. That, I mean, yeah, Xi Jinping clearly is a solution to the homeless, homeless uh, problem in cities. But no, no, she's not going to invite Xi to Los Angeles. Not yet. She's got her own idea. Cue up cut one, Captain. I want you to hear Karen Bass. This is her idea. So, you know, credit where credit's due. Uh, she's a genius, I must admit. And um, go ahead and hear this, her solution, Captain. Well, what we're doing is, is that we are leasing motel rooms. It's a very expensive model, so we're getting ready to master lease, which means we lease the entire motel, and we go to the encampments, which are a series of tents. And what I think the general public might not realize is that in order to survive on the street, people create communities. And so instead of splitting them up, we move the entire community inside. Hmm. A community-based organization takes over and provides the services. Well, there you go. There you go. Apparently, you know, the they're called homeless because they don't have homes. They have tents. They live in tents and communities. And so Karen Bass is going to forcibly move them into hotel rooms together. And so now they won't be homeless. They were homeless. She's giving them a home. What, what do you know, Captain? It's that easy. That, that's it. Homelessness solved. They have homes. You know what this reminds me of, Captain? 
It's like Joe Biden's solution to the immigrant, illegal immigration. Right. So he's proposed a, a system in which they can apply for a visa even while they're traveling through Mexico on an app. So you just don't call them illegals anymore. Problem solved. Yeah, we don't have 10 million illegals. I gave them visas. I gave them visas. They're not illegals. They're legals. I told them they can come. See, problem solved. This is the same thing. You know, we really, uh, we call them homeless, uh, but really we should be referring to them as the drug addicted, the mentally ill, and so on and so forth, socially derelict. Because, of course, giving a home or a room to a homeless person doesn't actually solve the problem, does it? That's not the underlying issue. It's not the homelessness. It's the mental illness. So these people aren't going to be contributing. They're going to be taking up hotel rooms and motel rooms that you're paying for. Now, what we should be doing, and I'm very serious, is bringing back and building mental health facilities, asylums. And if we were serious, we would be committing these people and actually ensuring they get the help they need. That's actually the solution to the homeless. So they don't need to live in hotel rooms or tiny homes that we pay for as taxpayers. What we need to be doing is putting them in asylums. That's what we need to do. <laughs> so, so anyway, I thought you might like that. Obviously, I was kidding. It's not a brilliant idea. It's the stupidest thing ever. Oh, yeah, they're homeless? Let's just put them in a home. Problem solved. No, no, no. No problem solved whatsoever. Um, you know, I'm going to laugh here, Captain, soon. I want to come back to this DeSantis thing. So Tim Scott's out. And, you know, I can't wait to see the reaction when he supports uh, Nikki Haley instead of DeSantis. I mean, it's just, it is so sad. He's polling so poorly. He's just hoping he can outlast all these people and that they'll back him instead. I mean, that's, that's, his, that's, that's what he thinks is his way to victory. Outlast them, get Nikki Haley's people to support her. And of course, Nikki Haley supporters are not DeSantis supporters, most of them. They're rhinos. Which, of course, DeSantis is trying to claim he's not. Even though his top, top uh, donor threatened to close his pocketbook, his wallet, if DeSantis didn't try to appeal to moderates. So it's just an absolute mess. Uh, let's end with a, a, a funny story. Did I? Do, do, do. I just want to see if there are any other good clips to get to because I hate giving Captain all these clips and then I just, uh, he prepares them, cues them up, and then I just say, sorry, Captain, thanks for all your work. We only got the four of the 16. Let's do it tomorrow. So <laughs> let's end with a funny story here, huh? Here's the headline. Fed up migrants who trekked thousands of miles to the U.S. already heading home. American dream doesn't exist. Here we go. Some Venezuelan migrants who trekked thousands of miles to the U.S. in search of a better life are so disheartened they say they're already heading back home. Michael Castejon, 39, told the Chicago Tribune, he has had enough after he, his wife, and teenage stepdaughter spent five months sleeping either in a police precinct or a crowded city shelter in the now brutally cold, windy city. He's also been unable to secure a job permit or enroll his daughter in a local school, 
two of the main reasons things they thought would bring a better life in the U.S. The American dream doesn't exist anymore, Castejon told the tape paper on the eve of his family's depart. Do you understand what immigrants now believe to be the American dream? Now, in the olden days, there are still people alive who remember these days, as a matter of fact. And there are many immigrants here who also came here this way and believe this. Previous immigrants, the American dream was to come here and ask for nothing but opportunity to both work hard and to contribute to society. And all they wanted was to be American because the name American meant something. Now you have a bunch of illegals who come in here at Joe Biden's invitation. And they say the American dream doesn't exist anymore because they're not getting enough freebies. And they're not getting these freebies quick enough. The American taxpayer is not paying for my home fast enough. I have to sleep in this precinct. You know what I'm thinking about, Captain? What are we told by the left in the pro-open border movement? That things are so horrific all around the world, in South America and so on and so forth, that they have to come to the U.S. And what do we see from this example, Captain? Well, they're going to go back home. So apparently things, and look, things are crappy in Venezuela. Don't get me wrong. But, but the enormous exaggeration that these people can't make it. They can't even survive in Venezuela. Yeah, things are horrible, but we are able to survive. We adapt to our, our, our atmosphere, where we live. So my point is, you have someone from one of the poorest South American countries. You have someone from one of the most corrupt countries, Venezuela. And he's saying, well, screw this. I'm not sleeping in a police precinct anymore. Your lodging you're giving me isn't any good. I'm going back to Venezuela because things in Venezuela are better than they are here for me as an illegal. So do you understand what a bunch of baloney it is that these people are just going to die immediately if we don't grant them entry into the United States of America? Here's an example of somebody fleeing Venezuela. And apparently Venezuela's good enough that they're now eager to go back to Venezuela. And this is what we should be doing also. Do you realize all these immigrants would be going back home if we just said, you have no place to live, you can't work, and they would go back and turn? You know, it's not really that hard to solve the immigration problem. You just enforce the laws, and people don't come. These people are coming because they know they're going to get freebies, which they're not going to get in Venezuela. But here you have a Venezuelan saying, screw this, it's not even good enough. I'm going back to Venezuela. I hope this point has been made. I was a little redundant, but, you know, that thought, I think, is prescient. Because of what we're told, it destroys that narrative, doesn't it? So he says, if we're going to be sleeping in the streets here, we'd rather be sleeping in the streets over there in Venezuela. Wow, imagine that. Imagine that. So he goes on. So here, let's listen to his story. Um, fed up with the lack of housing and job opportunities, Castejon eventually followed in the footsteps of other disillusioned asylum seekers and turned to Catholic charities to obtain plane tickets for his family to travel to Texas. So he's already here, by the way. You're talking about Castejon. So Castejon comes here illegally and he ends up in Chicago. 
but Chicago's cold. So he wants to get out of Chicago because Chicago sucks. It's not a good place to be homeless or in a police precinct, apparently. So then he goes to a Catholic charity and he gets a Catholic charity to buy him a plane ticket uh, to Texas. And so now from Texas, they're somehow going to find their way back to their native Venezuela. How many more months of living in the streets will it take? No, no more. It's better that I leave, Castellón said. At least I have my mother back home, he said of the South American nation. Yes, go back to your mother. Like a good son, take care of your mother. What are you doing leaving Venezuela and leaving your mom behind? That's what I'm thinking, Captain. You know about this, Captain. You know about taking care of moms. And this guy just left his mom back in Venezuela. I don't want these kind of people here. I'm sorry. So anyway, so you've got apparently a bunch of disheartened. (laughs) Don't you love this though, Captain? Is this not hilarious to you? (laughs) Oh, I mean, they've got other stories here. Let's see. uh, Jose Na, 22. He returned to Texas earlier this month after sleeping in a police station in Chicago for more than two weeks. Na said he came to, I don't, it's N-A-U-H. Uh, he, he said he came to Chicago because he heard there was shelter, food, and other resources for asylum seekers. But that's not true, he said. Uh, in a scathing letter to President Biden in October, Illinois Democrat Governor J.B. Pritzker accused the federal government of failing to provide adequate assistance to Chicago, a migrant crisis that has brought the city to a breaking point. Pritzker noted that more than $330 million had already been spent by the state to house and feed the migrants. You know, um, Captain, I just attended a women's Republican group out here in the Napa Valley. I spoke to them a couple months ago. And since then, I guess my speech was good enough because it made me an honorary member. It's a women's group just to be repetitive here. Women's Republican group anyway, but they like me. So they pay for my lunch when I come once a month. And my buddy, who's a Air Force veteran, now he's in the National Guard, but he was a captain, served in Afghanistan. Uh, He spoke today, and he spoke about Veterans Day. And you're a veteran captain, and I, I just hear these stories about the money being spent on these illegals who've contributed nothing to this country. And we have a massive crisis in this country with homeless veterans, veterans suffering from PTSD related to their service and sacrifice, who've given something to this country, who represent really the best of Americans in the sense that patriotism is the lifeblood of this nation, and nothing is more patriotic than offering your life for this country and sacrificing and serving. And $330 million has been spent on these illegals. And we have an administration and government that wants to spend all the money in the world on Ukraine, on foreign entities, giving the money to Qatar, people that hate our guts, illegals. And we have all these people who are the best of us. They're American citizens who serve this country and are responsible. You know, it's, it's interesting, Captain. The, it's the soldier and the veteran uh, who gives us free speech, not the journalist. 
It's the soldier and veteran that gives us our freedom. Not the politician. That's who you thank for it. And I just read things like this about these just... You know, I, I don't know, Captain. I, I, I understand desperation to some extent. I can, I can comprehend that you do things for your family when you're desperate. Um, but these people that are coming over here, uh, I believe the word is, um, uh, was that, what was I trying to think of? Uh, well, whatever, I won't say it. They're, they're problematic. And you know, what's interesting too. I point out again, none of these people are Mexicans. You notice that none of these people coming to the country are Mexicans? Like, they're coming through Mexico, and Mexico loves it because they don't have to take care of these people. But none of these people coming through Mexico... I, I feel like that was what people said in the past too, Captain, that it was always, you know, illegal immigration. You know, people thought it was Mexicans coming in here. It, it, it's, it's not. I mean, none of these people in general are from Mexico. They're from all over the place. But this just makes me sick. Uh... And breaks my heart that we have so many people in America that we are obligated to take care of and they're completely ignored. But we will move mountains for someone who is not an American citizen. So anyway, I just saw a breaking story, Captain. I'll end with this. Um, Marianne Trump Barry, who's Donald Trump's oldest sister. Well, she's died today. Or it's been reported. I don't know if it was yesterday or today, but she was 86 years old and she's passed away. So our thoughts and prayers are with the Trump family uh, and Donald Trump, of course, as well, who's lost his oldest sister. Um, I'm sure the media will find some way to politicize that. So anyway, all right. It's been great being with you again. This is Drew Allen, your Millennial Minister of Truth. Get my book, America's Last Stand, Will You Vote to Save or Destroy America in 2024 on Amazon.com. And be sure to visit writeamericamedia.com and check out the host of other wonderful shows and content that the captain, my captain, right here produces. All right, until next time, folks. Talk to my friend Drew Allen. And I'll tell you what, he's a tough guy. A millennial conservative. I've, I've become a big fan of One your writing. Of the great young thinkers of our time. Appreciate his opinion. Conservative Drew Allen. Has Drew died Allen. Hard conservative. I look to this guy for wisdom.